Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. So, are you in a relationship? Are you thinking about being in a relationship? Have you been in one for some time and you haven't really talked about money? Are you wondering if you should get a binding financial agreement? Are you wondering whether you need to let the other side know that if things go south, you're not taking my money? All this stuff, it's real and it's happening and we always need to protect ourselves and any downside. We're now investing, in our career journey, but also in our relationships. We know what the stats say with relationships. And in this episode, I'm talking with Victoria Devine from She's on the Money about a heap of issues. And we're going to touch on this binding financial agreement thing. We'll touch on some other stuff that will probably get you enraged. But just be warned, channel that enraged vibe in your life to your own situation and double down on your own convictions. Just because we say something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's gospel. It just means that it will get you thinking. And that's the important thing with this podcast, right? You're thinking based on what we say and how you can apply that thinking and those principles to your own life. And often once we get enraged with a topic or a subject or anything like that, usually it means that we are passionate about that topic. So, If we say something and it trips you up and you go to a spiral, please, we're not saying we know everything. We're saying take that thought, take that and make sure it doesn't happen in your life. Make sure that you're totally aware what's going on in your own life and your own money. That's the best thing. When we get outraged with something, it means we're actually passionate about it. Before we get into the episode today, we actually can't do this podcast without TAL. That's T-A-L. As one of Australia's leading life insurers, TAL has learned the most important part of life isn't the stuff we own. Gosh, ain't that the truth. But it's the experiences we share with the people that we love. It's living life, this Australian life. If you need some help, you can search TAL online, T-A-L, or go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and you can select life insurance or income insurance. If you want to chat with an advisor, about how you can get some protection in your life. But it's just funny that I've just read this uh, shout out from Tao and Tao agree that it's about experiences and sharing it with the people we love. So we're going to get a bit down and dirty with this topic of BFAs in this podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Glenn James and you're listening to My Millennial Money. Victoria Devine, host of the popular French art podcast, She's on the Monet. Welcome back to My Millennial Money. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very cultured podcast. It is. We talk about all the good things, art, wine, French butter and ah, bread. Ah, yep. 
great. I love bread. Yeah. Adore bread. I love sourdough. Oh, sourdough is so good. Like a crispy French baguette, a brand mm. new one. Love that. 10 out of 10. Do you want to talk about some listener questions or do you want to keep talking about French bread? I reckon Kate Ives has a question she wants answered and I, I reckon love she loves French bread. Who doesn't though? As, as a current student, when saving for a house deposit in the future and also trying to establish a share portfolio early to benefit from our great friend compound interest, how do you decide on how much money to put towards saving and investing? So what do you say to Kate? I hate this question and I knew it was coming, but I feel like this is such a awkward question to answer for a number of reasons. I think first things first, congratulations, you are killing it if you are thinking about investing and buying a house and you're still at uni. Like that is crazy to me because Glenn, that's not the state of mind that I was in when I was at uni. But I'd be thinking about values and what you really want to achieve and making sure that you are nourishing yourself during university. I think too many times we put too much pressure on ourselves to, you know, be something that is arguably quite unobtainable during that period of our lives. Like I remember, and I don't know your situation, Kate, like you might be working full time as a funds manager, earning absolute bank while at uni, and that's what you're talking about. Or you could be a poor uni student like I was working my butt off, doing a million different things and still feeling like I had to skimp on groceries. And it was, it was a tough time, but I feel like it's all about values and what your goal setting is because one is always going to suffer. Like you can't actually save and invest in things without some level of compromise unless you're like Warren Buffett or somebody who has unlimited funds. We need to allocate them in line with our values. And if a house is more valuable to you, maybe that's the priority for now. Or investment might be the priority now. But I also think that having this conversation is quite challenging because again, it's about compromise. You can't have everything all at one time. We can have it. It just has to be staged and it has to be staggered over your life phases. But I also think that there might be a little bit of pressure playing into this because you're going, well, I should be saving for a house. I should be investing. I'm at uni though. Like, yeah, take I, that pressure off. I love these questions and hello to all the uni students, particularly if you're in your early 20s and it's your first rodeo uh, out of school into uni. I like to say three things with uh, university. The best investment you'll ever make is in yourself and tick, you're doing that. You're That's investing so in yourself. inspirational. Your goal at uni- Excuse is- me, have you got notes in front of you, Glenn? Yeah, You've I like always thought write about notes. it. Yeah. I haven't had that grace. Well, you have. No, so. I haven't. <laughs> Absolutely haven't. Whatever. Whatever. Your answer was fine anyway. Yeah. I just wrote down, this is the only notes I've got. No, nah, he's got a whole notebook, guys. I wrote down- An entire notebook. Finish uni without any consumer debt. Oh, that's a good point. Like if you literally go through university, don't save a cent, don't invest a cent, work, pay your rent, pay your bills, live your life, eat, pray, love through uni, all that stuff. And if you finish with $1 and no consumer debt- Money other wins. Other than hex, you're, you're done. I would agree with that. It's also okay in these early years of our life and career to be cash heavy because when we go through university, we might have to be agile with the work that we're doing on the side. We might have to move around if you're living on campus one year and then you're moving and cash is the oil in the engine, like it's the lube in the... Just stop there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's cash it's is the king, oil right? Oil in the engine, exactly, mm-hmm. and it just gives us options. Now, I would say. Uh, it's so funny. For a small paragraph, there's so much here, isn't there? There's so much to I, break down because there's like so much context missing for mm. us to answer that adequately at the same time as like, I know you didn't go through that phase, but I did. And I just remember the pressure that I put on myself to be everything to everyone. Mm. I wanted to do well at uni. I wanted to do well at my job. I wanted to have savings. I didn't, but I wanted all these things. And I just wish someone was like, you don't need to be that yet. Like you don't need to have a massive investment portfolio or own your own home or anything straight out of uni. And I think that that came from my, I guess, growing up, I grew up a bit more regional than most of my friends in the city. For me to come to uni was a significant investment because I had to move. I couldn't do uni from where I lived. But also because of where I lived, most of my friends weren't going to uni. And so a lot of them were, you know, going straight down into the workforce at 18, 19. They were earning good money doing what they were doing. Lots of the boys went and became tradies. Lots of the girls just went straight into a, a full-time role. So when I was 20, 21, they were starting to buy properties and do things that I definitely wasn't. And that made me feel really behind. It made me feel like, oh my God, like I'm wasting all this time. But now I'm in the position I'm in, regardless of what I'd done career-wise, I think that we forget when we're at uni that we're, I guess, investing that time in ourselves so that we can project ourselves further forward into a career that we love and, you know, feel really nourished in. And you just don't see that when you're comparing yourself to the peers that you had that you grew up with. And also like what your family are saying. And and this is why like, Kate, if you want to save for a home and live in a home and finish uni, buy a house, absolutely run to that. That's your goal because it's better to get these big rocks in your life done first. And a big rock is saving for a freaking home deposit, which is huge. But, you know, saving and investing, I, I would hypothesize that, you know, while you do your degree, you may want to live in the UK for 12 months after mm. you study and work over there, well, it's going to be an investment in your life to save up ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 and go and live abroad. And that would have such a big investment return and enrich your life. And before we move on to the next question, two other comments here. I'm the type of personality, and I've said this before, that I can't really save for different things concurrently where a personality might be able to save all right, this is my account here for my home deposit. This is my account here um, for traveling overseas and I'm going to invest some money over here. You might be able to do that. Or what you might do is my first goal in life is to save for a home deposit. I'll buy my home, then I'll move on and start investing. Finally, you might be like, look, I know I want to invest for the future. You've mentioned compound interest I'm just going to make the decision right now, regardless of whatever I do, every time I get paid, 10% of my wage, of my salary, of my earnings will go towards an investment account. And then the cards may fall as they may. Can I also add to this? Let's do it. I want to add to this. I'm sorry. While you were talking, I was just thinking about how, obviously, I explained a little bit about my uni life and that was arguably financially challenging because I had to pay rent and bills and, you know, just do life and do a little bit of partying and live my best life and all of that and, most importantly, learn. But if you're 
at home at the moment and you're in the very privileged position of not having to pay rent and not having to pay board and you're still able to work your butt off and that's what you're doing and you're not prioritising saving and investing during a period of time where you don't have a lot of obligation, I think you're genuinely shooting future you in the foot. Like set yourself yeah, it's a up. Missed opportunity. If, yeah, it's a massive missed opportunity. Pay that, yourself your own rent. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're not having to pay rent, let's pretend you do into a savings account. Let's actually make hay while the sun is shining because too many times I hear from people, they get out of uni, they get their full-time job, they move into their first share house and they're like, oh my God, I wish I had made the most of when I was living at mum and dad's. And I would say as well, turning it up to 11, if you are in that position and your parents are like, no, we're happy for you to live here and not pay rent, I would say to them, hey, thank you. Because of this opportunity, I'm assuming that I'm paying $150 a week to you in rent, but I'm actually investing that into a, an investment account yeah. or into a my first home super saver scheme. I'm actually doing something with this opportunity, mum and or dad. Yeah. And it makes them feel good, but also you're putting future you first, which I think is really important, but it, yeah, it's just such a missed opportunity mm. at the same time, Glenn. I think we need to acknowledge that if you are in that position, really privileged, that's not the norm. That's fantastic for you. But too many times have I seen in my community people being like, oh, I wish I'd done more. So if that's you and you're listening, my friend, this is the kick up the bottom you need. So anyone at university studying, um, thanks for listening. Make sure you forward this episode to one of your schoolmates or classmates or university mates or whatever that is, because there is so many good options when you are a student. And remember, the stats say... Don't quote me on the stats and just pretend it's hypothetical. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Those who work during their study uh, are better at time management and have better grades. I did that and my time management's horrific, Glenn. But were your grades better than someone who was just sitting around all day smoking the good stuff? One would hope. Mm. Uh, Another question here. You say smoking the good stuff like you've done that before. Like cute. (laughs) All right. We're going to get real. Natalia Churchward says this, why is stamp duty so expensive? Oof, it's so expensive. Oh, do you want to have it's a- be in my bonnet. I've yeah, got a lot right. to say about this. Go for it. So stamp duty is obviously a tax that we pay when purchasing an asset as kind of like a transfer of hands tax. Historically, that tax was actually literally a stamp, Glenn, which I'm sure you already knew. Yep, they were, yep. Stamped. Two stamps. You would go up to your local council and be like, hello, sir, uh, I would like the trustee to this house. And you do a little switcheroo and get your stamps to say that you owned that property. So historically, stamp duty is literally a duty you paid to have a stamp, which is very exciting. However, as time has gone on, it is a way for the government to raise revenue and actually have an income stream to support the economy, I would say, Glenn. And we all know that the government like making money off us. I mean, it's actually kind of a privilege. I don't mean to be a little bit too fancy, but I was, I'm writing another book, as you know, Glenn, and I was talking about tax and I did this in my first book, but I've gone on even more of a rant in my second book because I spent a couple of hours this morning getting through that. And I was just like, it's actually a privilege to live in a society that is so supportive and so good to us and provides for our elders and provides for everybody that is in need. And that's what we pay tax for. So I get it. But 
at the same time for a first home buyer, which I was, I think, nearly 18 months, nearly two years ago now, Glenn, it feels like a kick in the teeth, especially here in Victoria, where stamp duty rates are really, really high. You kind of go, I've been saving for this house and now I feel like I'm flushing half of my deposit down the toilet to give it to the government for some made up stamp duty where now everything's electronic and automated and you don't need the guy who does the stamp. Yeah. And this is the problem. Like if taxes are flowing into the government coffers, try and get a government to stop they're that not going to yeah they're not going to change it cuz so far it's been working for them and even if they do it will change it in a way where it still ultimately hurts our hip pockets personally whether that is today tomorrow upfront or over the long term it's going to come from us in some way shape or form so i just I understand it. Stamp duty is really expensive because it's supporting and sustaining the government and everything that is, I guess, working in that industry, which makes sense because it does need to be regulated. It does need to be looked after. Roads do need to be, you know, managed and maintained and all of that fun stuff. Like infrastructure is incredibly important, especially with such a growing economy. But does feel like a bit of a kick in the teeth. Yeah, and the problem is, like, I'm just I went because I'm from New South Wales, and mm-hmm. uh, stamp duty is a state-based tax. Yep. Uh, for example, um, I just did seven hundred thousand dollar purchase price. Yep. Um, the stamp duty is twenty six thousand eight hundred and five dollars. Yep. Did now, you do it in Victoria? No, I haven't yet. Oh my god, do it! I just want to do an example. So that was twenty six thousand dollars. If I did four hundred thousand dollars calculate, you know, that's $13,000. So, because it's it's pretty much like you can go to the actual calculations and the duty rate, it's almost like tax rates, like to a million dollars, it's $9,390 plus $4.50 for every $100 over $313,000. So, because it is almost like a percentage threshold, because property prices have increased so much, the stamp duty has also increased so much. And I know New South Wales, they had more stamp duty revenue last year than they predicted uh, because of the property boom. Uh, So, as a fellow New South Welshman uh, here for the people of New South Wales, bloody too right that the government gave some money back to people during COVID and gave some money to people in the Northern Rivers with their house. They just, you know, given everyone $20,000, like, because they've had a lot of inflow coming in. Did you get a thing up for Victoria? Yeah. So, in Victoria on a $700,000 property, if you are a first home buyer, your duty payable will be $24,713. Yeah. So- Insane. But basically the same. And now in New South Wales- But that's not even the average house price here in no, Victoria and that's, or and that's even the crazy in Sydney, thing. Glenn. Now, the government will always get their tax. It's just a matter of how. And there is chatter in New South Wales, for example, to abolish stamp duty and move to a land tax for everyone. And the question is- I don't like it, Glenn. Yeah, it's wild. Because they might say, oh, save $26,000, wink, wink. Don't pay a stamp duty when you buy your property, wink, wink. But land tax over the next 10 years, we're going to get- off you, wink, wink. So, we've just got to be really careful. And particularly, there was chatter of in New South Wales choosing at the time whether you wanted to do the upfront stamp or ongoing. This is still a um, 
It's just all chatter at the moment. Uh, but It'll take a while to get through anyway. Yeah, so that's why it's so expensive. I want to just move on to one other question that leads on to this because I think we need tax reform in Australia in every state, basically. And Neil Alexander actually just said, Vinnie's has published a proposal to decrease capital gains tax discount from 50% to 37.5% yep. to fund an additional increase in rent assistance and job seeker. Yep. If not this, what else would you do to reduce wealth inequality if you were made Prime Minister? So oh, spicy content, Yeah, so Claire. Prime Minister Devine... You're on the floor of That Parliament. sounds really good. I don't know if I'd fit in there. I'm too outspoken. I mean, yeah, politicians you... are. They don't even have to be right, apparently. No, no, you just go you for just it. speak junk and everybody's like, oh, yeah, they so can what, run the country. What are you doing if you uh, were given the position of Prime Minister? And I'll, I will say, everyone, this is a very hypothetical because we know the Prime Minister is accountable to their party and Parliament to pass laws, blah, blah, blah. And but apparently, if you scomo your wife... That's right. Mm. So, if you were ScoMo's wife, what would you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm Jenny. Sit down. Yeah. Sit down. Uh, Victoria would actually look at changing the tax system here in Australia to be a little bit more in line with the tax system that they have in Singapore. Mm. And the reason I like that is because the more money you earn, the more you get taxed. So, it really, I guess, forces more tax on the wealthy and less tax on those who are not, you know, making as much money, which I think is relatively fair and it's quite a I guess progressive tax system in comparison to other tax systems around the world and I just think that the way they have structured it makes the most sense in terms of having an economy where everyone feels like the tax is fair. I went on this mini rant earlier on the pod Glenn and I genuinely believe that our mindset around tax is just a little bit misconstrued. I think that mindset around tax should be, heck yeah, the more money I make, the more tax I pay. Paying tax is a privilege to live in a society where we are socially safe and you know, have freedom of speech and have great infrastructure and we're not in a situation where if we break a leg, Glenn, we're going to go into significant personal debt because of that. We have access to so many things. So I think that from my perspective, and I mean, it's a very privileged perspective to have, but paying tax is a genuine privilege, but I would want to see a bit more equality when it comes to if you earn significantly less than me, we are you know, not taxed in that way. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm just looking at the Singapore government, um, irs.gov.sg, individual tax rates. Yes, sir. Um, It appears here that up to kind of $80,000, it's a low rate of tax that you pay. It is. And then it gets uh, progressive, as you said. But their maximum tax rate... He's 24%. Yeah. So, are you in favour of obviously decreasing marginal tax rates in Australia? Because it's basically, if you're over 180 grand at the moment, you're paying half of your dollar in tax. Yes. And I think in general, bringing down tax rates would be beneficial for everybody. Obviously, it would cost the government significantly, but at the moment- 
a lot of small businesses, a lot of businesses in general are really struggling to keep up with the cost of inflation and how much everything is costing. And people are going, oh my gosh, I have, you know, less take-home pay or I have the same take-home pay that I had last year, but stuff costs so much more. But the businesses are looking at their bottom line going, well, Glenn, I can't afford to give everybody a three or 4% pay rise because that affects the bottom line too significantly. And we made the same amount of money this year that we did last year. Like there's no there's no give here. Mm. So from a business perspective, if marginal tax rates decreased and businesses were in a position where they still had to pay out the same amount, but more of that was going to their employees, I think overall morale would increase across the workforce. And I think that's not a bad thing in saying that our government genuinely needs more money at the moment anyway. Mm. Yeah, I, I've thought about this for a while and I think- What are your shower thoughts? Well, my shower thoughts are number one, we're not going to camp on this question too much because I'm certainly not an economist and I don't know about you, Victoria, but... I love economics. Yeah, it's... I, I just... I'm in honestly, a relation with an econometrician, so that would make sense as to why we talk about it a lot at home. Oh, really? Sexy, right? Um, but this is what I think, conceptually, and if someone at Treasury wants to... Uh, you, you can know, hire us. We'll consult. Yeah, that's right. So if someone wants to do this... Okay, so number one, if I was Prime Minister, because the whole thing is... Wealth inequality, that's what Neil asked. So, number one, a big focus on education. Mm -hmm. So, primary school kids, getting them educated, more money funded to schools, even breakfast programs in every school to make sure every kid is fed, regardless of where they're coming from. Um, So, really this educational thing, we need to invest in education because education really does solve a lot of problems. But in terms of more broader things, I would be in favour of, because wealth inequality, a lot of it at the moment is the cost of housing. So, I think something needs to be done. The government needs to somehow stop propping up the property industry and just focus on infrastructure and actually opening more greenfields and you know, more infrastructure to regional Australia and Agreed. opening more uh, places for people to build uh, so there's less of a housing shortage. And maybe after your third investment property or second, I don't know, third maybe, you have to have a 50% deposit. Yeah, that would or there's seem there's some, like, some lending thing. Uh, I'm, I like the idea of certain postcodes, like in New Zealand, you know, in the middle of Auckland, you have to pay a higher interest rate. Um then, so I like that idea. Hey, that's smart. Yeah, I really like the idea. And again, not costed and, you know, whatever. I really would like full wholesale change in the tax system, reduce the company tax rate um, yep. for small businesses, just to really, uh, you know, have investment. Because I think like that's like something- 70% of people are employed by a small business or something ridiculous. So cool though. That's um, like Singapore, right? That's another thing I really like about it. They don't It's like twenty three percent or something over there. Yeah, but they also don't tax you if you reinvest that money into the business. Yeah. Which I think is very cool for economic growth and also just the sustainability of small businesses. We know in Australia that it's what is it, one in ten mm. small businesses will be successful in the long term. Yeah. That's that's wild. That's so unfair. But the fact that their their government really supports that, I think is really cool. So one thing I would, yeah, so company tax rate, payroll tax, I mean, w- that's ridiculous. That needs to change, like getting tax for employing people, like please give me a break and I, I think that's more New South Wales. Uh, but 
to the big I also chunky, pay payroll tax. Yeah. I'm salty about it. Yeah. The big chunky things that I think need to be addressed, and this is where I've got no idea, but go with me, everyone. We could run the country together, we Glenn. increase the GST, number yep. one. So even 20%. Because, oh, you reckon? Yeah. So go with me. Increase the GST because it, it taxes, because people that operate in a legal cash economy still spend money on stuff, right? Yep. So increase the GST, mm-hmm. extra 10%. And everyone's like, oh, Glenn, what about those on welfare? Uh-huh. Double the welfare payments as well. Increase GST, double welfare payments, and reduce marginal tax rates. Um, That's what I reckon. Somehow cost it um, to tax spending. Do you think we'd get voted in? Probably not. Yeah, neither. Um, And this is the crazy thing. Like remove, you know, if you're on the right side of politics and you're listening to this, just Forget all the rhetoric that you've heard for 10 seconds, okay? Every freaking economist in the world says the solution to carbon emissions is a carbon tax. Yep. It's poisonous, those terms in Australia. So I think there does need to be some type of carbon tax. I think it needs to be there. I think it's it has needed to be there for a climate. very long time. And I'm not... A, I'm honestly not heaps lefty, going to say that. But you talk to every economist and they say carbon tax. I think it just makes sense. But it got political in Australia. Anyway, we're ranting about I, this stuff. I actually have a question because yeah. it's still political. And oh, gosh. I'll be ScoMo, you be Barnaby Joyce, all right? <laughs> like He's got a more saucy reputation than ScoMo. ScoMo just has to ask his wife for things. And I'll, mm. I'll ask my cat and my dog and be yeah. like, excuse me, what do you think we should do? But UBI, what do you reckon? Universal base income. Radical, but is that something that you think I, would be helpful? A lot of, I like the idea of it uh, from the economists that I've talked to on this podcast. They reckon it's probably an uphill battle. But I like the idea of increasing welfare. Yeah, I, do, I don't necessarily agree with it. Yeah, I, I agree with. spending. Because I'm all like, you know, the trouble with me, I'm not a socialist. I don't want to um, stifle incentive. Mm-hmm. You know, you should be rewarded for the risks that you take. If you've got a good idea oh, and you I want totally to start I totally agree. But we don't want to leave people behind. And- right. You know, I've got a friend who's moving over to Australia from Argentina. Inflation's wild over there. He's a qualified engineer, um, but he's like, I may as well just drive a taxi because I get the same money. Like, so that's just not helpful. So I think, and sorry, everyone, we're probably going on beyond no, but, the scope but it, I think of what I, I know. Ho- hopefully just, this is interesting. I'm so treading water. I'm out of my depth. Well, hopefully this is interesting, but I totally agree with increasing welfare payments and pension payments and all of that because at the moment they're crippling and they're just not as supportive or even as inclusive as they need to be. So I, well, let's leave it there because I think mm. I can get a little bit spicy yeah. and my lefty little vegan will come out. Yeah, and, and apologies wanna, or like- I don't want to do that publicly, It's an Glenn. interesting question, but I would say to everyone listening, what would you do if you were prime minister or commander in chief um, to change wealth inequality in Australia? Uh, we've kind of agreed that there needs to be wholesale tax reform. We don't know what that looks like. And we agree that there needs to be something done with property 
politics is so interesting. Obviously, we're about to come into an election period mm. and in my area, and I'm assuming in most areas, obviously political uh promotion has increased significantly. So there are politicians everywhere. They've got all their offices and their branding everywhere. And it's just so funny in my area how slanderous they are about each other. Like they're like, oh, this guy did this. And then they're just like throwing it back at each other. And Seriously. just like, is this so it? wild. Is this- I would love. Did you get into this to just have fights? Were you that kid at school? I, seriously, I would love to get Jackie on the podcast. Can we get Jackie Lambie on the podcast? I feel like she's had a massive, massive glow up in the way that she, I guess, is relating to the Australian public. Yeah, I she really had the, like She it. kind of had that. Um, so the Trump's effect in the States was like, I'm not a politician. I'll just yeah. come in and call, you know, call it how it is. And then he just ended up being one. But she just calls it how it is. And yeah. that's good because it cuts through. But often... Sometimes when you call it how it is, the world ruffles feathers. The world's, well, the world's grey and it's not always black and white. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think what I want to do here on M three, everyone, we'll we'll put it out to um, Jackie, either side of listening. politics. We might try and get an independent. We might try and get uh, some left, some right, some green on. Get some Josh Frydenberg on the show. Yeah, I mean, and just and we'll ask them all the same questions. So at least we've got a reference. Yeah. So it's like, what would you do here? But anyway, we'll be... Um, she's on the politics. She's on the politics. We're going to pay the light bills right now, so we'll be right back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, Victoria... Yes, go This ahead. is interesting. Andrew Nay uh, said this question and a few people liked it. How far into a relationship should you do a BFA, which is a binding financial agreement, oh. aka a prenup? If I own a business, do I have to factor that into the BFA? Yeah. So, you know. Yes, as early as possible. End of story. Okay. Done. Bye. Do you have Actually, one with Stephen? Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor guy wanted to move in with me and I was like, sit down, sir. 
Let's gonna talk. Have, we're going to have the chat. We're going to have a chat. Um, I feel like I made it relatively easy for myself, though, because I'd been having these conversations throughout our relationship. I'm a financial advisor. I'd always said my business is mine. I've grown this. I've done this. I don't want to ever be at risk of losing it. Um, and a binding financial agreement for me wasn't just about protecting me. It was also about making sure that he felt valued in that relationship. It wasn't just like, okay, well, if we break up and we've been married and we have kids, I still get 100% of my business and you can just go sit in the bin and not have anything. That's not what our binding financial agreement says. It's definitely, you know, I can't and arguably couldn't do what I do now without his support. Mm. Like at the very beginning of all of this, like he was so supportive that, you're right. It just sounded really weird. I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um, He was so supportive that I feel like that does deserve some level of remuneration. So that's been built in and it was more of a conversation. Deserve? He- yeah, he does. No, you said deserve. Did I? <laughs> we'll leave it. Oh, well, whatever. Stuff is. Stuff is. Um, She's on the money's edited. This isn't. Bye. No, we, we um, really edit. Yeah. So I feel like. That made a lot of sense and broaching that conversation wasn't too challenging because it was a two-way street. And it was like, well, what do we want it to look like? How does that work? But Glennie James, you single and ready to mingle. What happens with your next girlfriend that you're like, you are wifey material, sit down, I've got M3. What are you going to do? Um, you're like, never I, date again? No, I, I mean, I, I just, sure, I'll sign one, like. I don't care. I, I think if someone wanted it signed, well, are you going to want one of your partner? No. Nah. Why? I don't know. If I leave, she can have half of it anyway. I don't care. Of M three. Yeah. Do you want to get married to me? Yeah. Sweet. Sign um, my binding financial well, agreement. Well, I guess the way I see it, you know, I'm, you know, if I'm getting married to somebody. I'm joining everything anyway. Look, I agree. And that's a very romanticized view of it. And nobody signs up to a marriage to get a divorce. But we know that one in two marriages end in divorce. And sometimes the person that you married is not the person that you're divorcing. Mm. And they can maybe not be the person that you want to be in business with. I, I mean, maybe I would do it and be like, sure, I'll do this. But what about um, we just make it that, and this is assuming that, um, you know, your internal misogyny, what you're assuming... Oh, I that, don't have internalised misogyny. Well, you're, are you assuming that my future wife is got, has got less wealth than me? No, I'm absolutely oh. not assuming that. Oh, good. Because if you married me, like I just proposed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you've got more money than me. No, we all know that. No, you've got a boat. You've got a boat. No, I no, but I guess what I'll probably... Are you going to get a jet ski? Mm, I used to have my if jet ski If we get married, license. no jet skis. Yeah. I... Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm I hold money very loosely. Um if Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, I know, right. If I got married, yeah. and I thought, okay, well, I've built my millennial money up. It's a big thing. I would probably only do the BFA to protect crazy that might come out of the woodwork from yep. the other side. Yep, agreed. I might write into that BFA, "Hey, I acknowledge if this individual is coming into the relationship, with not as much wealth or no wealth, whatever, don't mm-hmm. care. I might say, look, we'll do the BFA. If ever I, you, me, or whatever, if ever we depart, have f- grand. 
Yeah, and, and that's just it, right? So it's not about protecting you and leaving them with clarity. nothing. It's yeah. clarity. Yeah, that's right. Because I know that if I wanted to get a divorce from you, Glenn, I don't want you as my business partner. I don't want to then have to be no. negotiating a shareholders agreement and discussing, you know, paying dividends and profit out of my business that mm. I'm still working my butt off for to my ex-husband. Mm. To me, that's not the plan. Yeah, and not, I think... Yeah, yeah, 10 minutes ago, I had no idea about this question. Um, and now that I'm bringing up the fact yeah, that we're having kind of, a divorce, yeah, I'm this has all happened very fly. quickly. I think it's more the clarity. Clarity is kind, everyone. And I would even go as far to say if I did um, get married, uh, that other person would have uh, a power of attorney over me yep. um, while I'm functioning. But I would also be quite comfortable to say, hey, um, if I go totally off the planet and, you know, go to one of your podcast after parties, Victoria, and, you know, get into some interesting stuff on the mirror here. Um, wow. Oh, you put Ajax in it. What, Victoria? Um, like weird <laughs> stuff. And I have a, 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 a mental breakdown. It was a breakdown. Kmart dinner plate, not a mirror, yeah. just so you know. Um, hyper the, no, joking. But like <laughs> if, if, if the wheels fell off, I'd be more than comfortable to say, Hey, let's just keep a few grand over in a separate account for you, for your own comfort. But I think that that's smart and that's kind and that's clarity. And these are financial conversations that a lot of people don't have, right? Yeah. And I see a binding financial agreement as kind of like a prenup and it's not just protecting your assets. It's actually going, Glenn, we're so in love right now. If we broke up, let's make sure that both of us, while we're level-headed, while we're in our right minds, we are working out what that outcome looks like. So you go, all right, if we ever break up, you're in a good position. I'm in a good position. We're both really comfortable with this because during a divorce, things get so emotional, so heated, so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that. At least you don't then have to be negotiating with arguably a terrorist. This is what I would say. It's all just set up for you. This is what I would say to my wife. um, Me, yep. Yeah, this is what I'd say to you, Victoria. Mm -hmm. If I have a medical event and I've diagnosed with... Something real dramatic. Something really dramatic where I'm actually not present in my mind. Let's say you are a vegetable completely. Or if I um, went off the rails and met someone else and cheated on you and all that stuff and I wanted a divorce, without the BFA, going into the... Nobody else has a money podcast. You can't leave me. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Before all this, I would tell my wife, I'm like, hey, if this ever breaks up, yep. that $20,000 in the account over there for your escape funds or whatever, yep. withdraw it to cash yep. because I'm crazy. you can't get the cash. Because if it's a joint account and there's no BFA, it would come into a relationship asset. Yeah. But if the asset's being quote unquote spent, yep. I can't go, oh, there's $20,000 in an account over there. But, you know, go... Quote unquote, spend it, do that, and just keep it cash off the record. I don't care. Like, protect yourself if I'm a dickhead in five years. Protect yourself if I go crazy in a few years. But I think everybody, regardless of gender or, you know, situation, should always be in a position where they have the access to funds to escape a relationship or a situation or a place or, you know, a job that they don't want to be in. And I guess that's good emergency funds, right? Having a good cushion to sit on so that you're always confident. Like, regardless of how long you've been in a relationship, I would love to, and I guess this is me 
again, talking about relationships, having not been in one for 40 years, you know, I would love to think that a relationship is always a choice, not a a forced situation. Like I'm choosing to be with Steve and I love that. And I'm really grateful that that's the choice that we wake up and make every day. But if he chooses to one day wake up and not have that, we know what that looks like. When we talk about things on this podcast, like money, relationships, politics. We put all of those things in this episode. Oh gosh. What I want you to do, there is clearly, if you're still listening, there is a high percentage of you guys who are livid with what we've just said on these topics. Do you reckon? Yeah. But all I would say is that's fine. You can be livid. This is really good. I want to fire you up so much. So you're very clear on your own position. I agree. Like, there's no point getting all upset at Glenn because he was flipping about something or Victoria said something political. No, no, no. Use the rage that you've got against us now to be convicted in your own life, in your own relationship with your own money, because these are just our opinions and they're worth what you paid for them. Now, on the whole binding financial agreement, I'll just bring it back to Ange's thing. Sorry, Ange, you got a Um, tangent. If I own a business, do I have to factor that? Yes. Now, if you're a sole trader and you've just got an ABN, it's as good as your personal money, okay? Number two, if you've got a company and you own the shares in that company, it's an an asset that you own. Well, it depends how that's owned and whether there's a family trust involved as well. And then the next step- Oh, sorry, jumping ahead. If you have a family trust, so- my business is a family trust. Same. And it owns shares in Simo Interactive. Same, except not, not Simo Interactive. <laughs> the, you know, law Janet? courts. I'll buy in. Yeah, all right. Um, She's on the money times my millennial money forever. So family law can pierce any corporate veil. So you can't go and set up a trust to hide assets from family court. Yeah, this is Australia. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, and- and it's a legitimate thing because when I set up my trust years ago for my business, I asked the question. I said, if I get married and the relationship breaks down, is that asset hidden? And like, nope. No, sir. So. Even your super, Glenn, isn't hidden, except if you're in WA, which I think is a joke. And I can rant about that if you wish, but that's not the question. Yeah, we might not go there. Um, but isn't that wild? WA is the only state where if you're going through a divorce, you can't request your partner's super. It's a protected asset. To know that Insane. sounds wild. I might look into that. Good, good podcast topic because it's very important to consider. Kim Barlin. Hi, Kim. The best way to clear debt quickly, i.e., should I still put money into my emergency fund and pay off the credit card at the same time or pay the credit card off first Ooh, and I then wonder. build up the emergency fund quickly? Oh, okay. This is spicy. It's a spicy conversation only because I'm not sure if you and I are going to be on the same page as this. Yeah, what so do you reckon? So I think that you should have a bare minimum emergency fund. So if you do not have an emergency fund and you are in debt right now, you need an emergency fund. And the reason I say that is because if another bump in the road comes, another bill comes, another you know unknown event happens that you have to fund, you're going to go further into debt if you don't have access to an emergency 
Equity Fund, which further reiterates or reinforces your need for debt. Whereas if you prioritise yourself now and go, do you know what, I'm just going to put off debt repayments, you know, pay the bare minimum for now, establish an emergency fund so I'm protecting myself and prioritise that first. We're not talking like the biggest emergency fund ever. Don't go, okay, well, I need 50 grand in here. You don't. I would be establishing an emergency fund. And then once I have that set up and I'm comfortable with it, I would then be smashing down debt with every single spare dollar I have. If you are in that situation and you're still saving for things and, you know, investing, I would be definitely not considering those things. And I would just be forcing all of my additional cash flow into debt reduction. Glenn. Yeah. I mean, pretty much the same. Oh, I thought that was going to be spicy. But no, then- not spicy. But um, Kim, if you haven't already, um, just email the team, team at sortyourmoneyout.com and say you heard your name on episode 515. I'll send you a book, um, Sort Your Money Out, my book. Nice book. And there's a, a section in that five steps to get out of debt. I think that's genius. And I'd love to give you a copy, Kim, and... There you go, a shameless plug. But only if you listened to this episode and heard your name, apparently. Exactly, yep. Got to work hard for the money. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. Like the worst thing around is focusing all your efforts to clear debt and then 10 minutes later an emergency happening and you're going back into debt. Yeah, like let's not do that to ourselves. And it I- feels awful as well. Like you just feel like you've made all this progress and then you haven't. And I guarantee if you go into that situation, you have this emergency fund and then you have to use it, you're like, yeah, how good is that? I didn't go into debt for that thing that just popped up. Totally. It's a very good feeling. Totally magotally. Uh, do we have time for one more? Probably. Let's have a look here. Amy Claire, when to prioritise paying self super when you're a sole trader and establishing a business with a recent mortgage. So she's got a recent mortgage. Was really good till recently trying to work out a new budget with the home loan. Oh, that's funny because when you get a new home and a mortgage, and in, like it's like dropping a bomb on your finances. And it's going to be wild for a couple of months while you settle in the home, you work out, oh, I've got to pay for that gas bill. We didn't know that it had natural gas and we thought it was bottled or, you know, we've got to now pay the rates and bloody, I need a new hose from Bunnings. Or like what happened to me, move in and the aircon goes and I'm like, oh, that's not that expensive. Glenn, I have ducted, which is very nice. Fancy. Got a $15,000 quote to replace all of that. That's speno. I can't afford that. So this summer we have not had aircon. I'm just dealing Gosh, with it. Yeah. I go to work a lot earlier than I used to. So now that you've got your home, Amy Claire, I would probably say don't stress about anything. Settle in the home for a couple of months. Let the budget settle. Then in terms of your super as a self-employed person, I reckon it's a good guide to target, you know, 10%, which would be your super contribution as a salary employee, uh, as a minimum, because the worst thing that I've seen over the years with clients that are self-employed, they don't divest out of their business. Yeah. And you really need to get money out of your business and into another asset. So you can just hedge that bet that you are still building wealth. So I, I, and whether it is super or you buy a property or 
whatever, you need to do some investing. But I think for low-hanging fruit, a target of 10% of your nominal um, salary mm-hmm. into superannuation, you know, clip the ticket, the tax uh, 15%. Which is nice as a uh, small on the way. business yeah. owner. But I just think you're shooting yourself in the foot future-wise if you're not investing in super. I think so many small business owners go, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it when I have a bigger profit. I'll do it. You know, I'll do lump sum payment. It doesn't come. It yeah. really doesn't come. Yeah. And if it's not built into the – it's a business expense. Treat it as that. Yeah. Stop looking at it as like, oh, I shouldn't be putting that away for me. No, it's a business expense. We pay the people who work for us. Yeah. You're a good business. That's yeah. what good business is. You've got to do it. Get Full it. stop, end of story. Get we pay sorted. super. Hey, guys, it's been real. Um, I can't believe we talked about politics. Can't believe we talked about relationships. Can't believe... We talked about a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks again. for hanging out. And you can hear Victoria on She's on the Money. I drop three episodes a week. Oh, my goodness. It's fun. You're busy. I love it. Mm. I'm not busy. Oh, well, there you go. Busy is a terrible word. It is. I hate when people are like, how are you? And then they say, I'm busy. No, you're not busy. Oh, actually, when people say to we me- We don't use busy in I, our I office. don't either. So people say, like I said it about you, but I don't say it about myself. People say to me, oh, you've been busy. I'm like, nah. No, sir. <laughs> My been, team, been, though. No, hectic. I've been productive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like when you say I'm busy, when someone gives you something, you're just saying, well, what you're saying is not a priority to me. I don't I'm like going to tell you something in a quick after party, but thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon, everyone. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Welcome to the after party. Oh, so. Have you got your Kmart plate? What? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no Kmart plate. Okay. I've never. Neither have I. Um, I've never done drugs. I am so boring. I've never smoked. I may have vaped. Try oh, to vape. I haven't even. I, I haven't tried, tried to vape, vape a couple of months ago. That kind of seems weird. Mm. I feel like vapes are going to be that thing that you hear in twenty years are just as bad as cigarettes. Oh, probably. If so not I worse. just. I'm not about it. Yeah, I've never done drugs. I've never vaped. Um, I've actually because I don't drink. Kids, I've that's never, how you grow up cool. I've never. I've You've been, never had alcohol. I've never been drunk. No. I've like I've. That's why you have more brain cells. And I've drank like. Oh, cheese, champagne, have a sip. And, but I, if you're not um, a drinker, alcohol is jarring. Yeah, I'm just I'm not interested. That's fair. Don't um, do it. I was going to tell you something, but I forgot. You were was, talking about busy. Oh, yeah. It was so... Okay, If you, I'm 100% everyone. I'm safe. There's no issues. If 
you are going through a hard time, reach out to Lifeline. I want you to Google Lifeline uh, because there is help if you need to chat because I'm going to talk about um, an experience that I had. Mm -hmm. So I walked into a cafe once and I wasn't in a good space and I was never suicidal, but, oh, how are you, Glenn? What have you been up to? What are you doing? I'm like, oh, not much, just hanging around, just waiting to die, I guess. Like, <gasps> oh, Glenn! Because I was just like, nah, this is boring life. I've done everything I needed to do and I wasn't in a good place. No. And I was like, I was totally safe and never have I com- like That's thought not, about that wasn't doing that. That wasn't part of the process. It, it wasn't that. It was said. literally like, I'm literally just waiting to die. That's, That's what I'm doing every day. Because what happens when, you, when you're not mentally healthy, you lose hope for the future. You lose your joy. Yeah. And it's a shitty place to be. Yeah. And I'm very pragmatic, right? Yeah. So I was like, guess I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting each day. Tick, tick, tick. Oh, so. no, that's yuck. I don't like that. I don't like it because it's just such a. I've been in that space. I consistent, like I take antidepressants daily. I take a lot of them as well. Like I just feel like we don't talk about mental health enough and it's something that really gets you down and sometimes you get through that phase or that season. I like to call them seasons Mm. because they come and they go and like just because I'm out of it now doesn't mean I won't slip back into it at some point Mm. and that's okay. But you kind of get out of that season and you go, damn, that was hard. I didn't realise at the time I was kind of like walking through a fog and Mm. it's just... I've... Yeah, I think it's important to learn the strength of your own personal constitution so you're not running at 110% 25-8 cuz that's when I hit the wall. That's when my wheels fall off and everyone, right? Yeah. And it's kind of a theme in the business now. Like I've told the team we did our reviews the other day and all that stuff and I'm like, Did Look, you give them all really good pay rises? Yep. Good work. I think like 30%. What? Yeah. Um You fancy boy. Well, I acknowledge that, you know, it's expensive to live. They've earned it. I want to look after them. Um, I would be honestly heartbroken if one of my team members left me because of their salary. I work so hard to make sure mm. that their salary is exactly what they're comfortable with and, mm. you know, they understand remuneration and what goal setting means and all of that. Mm. I just know that, you know, people leave businesses mostly because of money Secondly, because of management, I can't help that. Like if they leave because of me, I get it. Yeah. But if they left because of remuneration, I spent so much time, energy and effort and I work my butt off even harder to make sure that they're paid well. I, I just want to take people with me. Yeah, same. Like I'm on a journey, you're coming. Yeah. I wouldn't want you to leave because I'm not treating you well on that journey. That's yeah. really terrible. Um, yeah, just look after people. But what I said to the team, i like, look, as a team, I don't want to be running at more than 80% constantly. Because, you know, if we have to drop it, if there's some money news that dropped this afternoon, I want to be able to drop everything, record an episode and have it up that afternoon. And that agility in the business is impossible if we're always working at 100%. So, I want to be on a a solid 80% most of the time. So, we're not flat out. But when we have an opportunity to jump on, we're lean, we're agile and we can then push up to 110 for a hot minute, yeah. get it did, and then get back to it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right, we've got to go. Um, I do have to go. Do I've you have anything pods to organize. finally to say? I don't, no. I don't think so. Do good, be good. Have All a right. good day. Love you guys. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 